Okay, everybody, welcome back to Fair the Inkwell. And so I have a pitch today, and I think it's pretty, it's pretty neat. Uh, uh, although maybe elements of it are familiar. So, okay, so archaeologist working in a crusader castle from approximately the year 1000, right? Find a, um, a skeleton and dig it up and submit it for DNA testing, uh, which is uh, increasingly becoming something that's common in archaeological digs that where you find like actual tissue. And so when they do this, they run it, they determine that, oh, this is the body of a 45-year-old woman or, you know, someone who's about 45 years old. Um, and they decide, okay, well, let's see if this person has any living ancestors. So they send it off to some of those services like 23andMe. And when it comes back, it comes back for a 100% DNA match for a living woman today who's about 25 years old. And so the archaeologists reach out to this woman, get in touch with her, start talking to her. And uh, in the course of further scientific testing, they determine that she has the same exact arm fracture that she recovered from as a teenager as is in the skeleton. And through additional testing, they decide this is the same woman. And that's the start point. Interesting. Yeah, that so that does pose a lot of really interesting questions, um, because you have the whole setup of like of the of the dig. Why is the dig happening? Where mm-hmm. it's happening? I mean, you know, obviously the Crusades are an interesting topic, and any finds because there haven't been any real major finds on, in on that front for a long time, have mm-hmm. there? So, I guess a major find would be would be pretty interesting. And mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, what was what was the woman's life like in, you know, and, and is it truly the same woman? Because even though I know that's the thing is that could is maybe that's the tension of the story is, is this a time travel story? Does it turn into a time travel story? Is it like something else? Um, I think solving the mystery and chasing them. Yeah. Chasing the mystery is, is what the story is turns out to really be about. It's not, it's less character development and more plot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, well, but you could you could really throw some interesting character stuff in there because I remember watching a, a YouTube video recently about a woman who claimed to be a, a descendant of, or not a descendant, a reincarnated priestess from an Egyptian temple. Oh. And she gave some details about a specific temple that were unknown at the time. And yet... A lot of the other stuff she talked about was just total garbage and, and you mm. know, couldn't be verified. But some of the stuff she talked about were about ruins that had not been discovered yet. And so it's like it's one of those cases where, yeah, she was probably mentally unstable. And I think there might have been some kind of uh, injury to her. I, d- I don't remember her story very mm. well. But after the end, like, it, it, I think it was like a car wreck and a head injury. And after that point, she, she started having dreams about being this temple priestess. And she was like the consort for some, you know, the like the pharaoh or something like that. And some of what she said could be corroborated. And so you could do that with this same story. You could do it and say, you know, maybe this maybe this woman's family history, like is very odd or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 
or maybe it's just the same woman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, 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 what is it? Is it the actually same woman, or is it through some random chance? Like, DNA has recombined to basically recreate the same the woman same person in oh, a different that would time. Be an interesting, a really interesting idea because what are the what are the chances that a DNA sequence is going to get recombined in the same manner as it has previously. I'm sure they are very low chances. I'm sure that's right. But it's not zero. But it's not zero. I mean, people win the lottery all the time and get struck by lightning every day, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So, so in the, in the you know, what is it? The law of large numbers. Given enough a large enough sample size, you're, you're going to have one occurrence of whatever, you know, whatever you're going off of. Yeah. Um, so maybe it really is like just the same sequence, but it's a different person because she has lived a different life oh, man. or, you know, cause that does open up the story for a lot of things. Like you could have it be a spiritual thing. It's like, mm-hmm. yes, this is the reincarnated priestess from this castle that, you know, they found her in the, the chapel and she was there when the Knights Templar came and oh, or whatever, man. like, you know, whatever was happening, you could have, you know, the, the metaphysical past life regressions in there. You could blur the lines between mental instability and, and, you know, reality. Like, and it would be very interesting unraveling that puzzle and, and concluding, yes, it's the same woman. It's the reincarnated woman, like, or like, you know, whatever the conclusion happens to be, it would be a very interesting story to follow. Yeah. Because it could just be a normal, you know, 23 year old college student and she happens to be studying theology, but that's just coincidental. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and then all that her life gets upended by these researchers that want to know the same thing the reader wants to know. And maybe she's just like, screw all you like, leave me alone. Like, I just want to live a normal life, you mm-hmm. know? Yep. Oh, and maybe there's like a whole internet, like subgenre of people that track her down and, and, bug her. and bug the crap out of her because they are certain she's a time traveler. Right. Like they're, they're, they're like, this is the evidence we've been looking for that time travel is real. Right. So. Well, and you could also, you could also write an interesting bit about fate too, because mm-hmm. so maybe the woman's life, you know, the, the, the skeleton led up to a certain, a certain untimely death in a very specific way. And so this, this other woman that's alive, that's 23, is she going to meet the same end? And is she going to meet the same end because the people are bothering her or because they're not bothering her? Like you could, you could use it as a discussion of fate. Like how are we truly in charge of our own destinies or our circumstances out of our control always? (laughs) Yeah, I know. And and people always want to kind of know their fate ahead of time. Right. So that's kind of a, that's kind of a common trope that's used. And so like, what if this is like a way that people can feel like they can test that they can test fate to determine if fate is real. Like is, is everything already written down that we're going to do? Right. Or do we actually have free will where we can make choices? Well, and you could also throw mm-hmm. it into the metaphysical realm of like, if this is a reincarnated version of this woman, um, what do you have to do to gain access to her past memories. Mm-hmm. Like what, what extent are you willing to take it to um, be it? Like if, if, if you had to torture her to get the information that you wanted, is that acceptable? <laughs> because maybe it's a crucial piece of information about like the arc, 
<laughs> you know, it's yeah. so, so these really crazy people are like, we need to know. And then, so they've tried all these other techniques that don't work for past life regression. And then they go into the more extreme versions of like, oh, we're going to start administering really, really strong drugs to try and get, or we're going to start doing electroshock to try and get your brain to wire up right. Or, you know, like where, where do they stop? Oh, yeah. And what if like all of these experiments that they're doing on a injection with chemicals and electroshock therapy and everything actually leads to time travel? And it's not time travel as a personal device or as a mechanical device. It's more like soul time travel. Yeah. It's just like it's it's an actual individual thing, an organism's ability to travel back in time versus having any kind of mechanical or electrical assistance to do it. You don't need a machine. You can – like somebody can just do it under duress. Right. Oh man. That would be interesting. And and while you're saying that too, I was thinking like, what if, you know, the, the time travel aspect, what if it is that the duress that they put her under sends her back to be that person that they dig up? Yeah. Like she wouldn't have been there otherwise. Yeah. Like that was. Because then you're introducing an information paradox, uh-huh. which uh, those are always interesting to me. Oh Yeah. <laughs> I know because then you start looking into who she was as a right. if 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 suddenly she's out of their control right so she time travels back on her own to a thousand years ago mm. and now she's out of their control but what if now like books are starting to pop up that she wrote like that nobody knew before but now that they're looking for them they're starting to find them books or information yeah uh, and maybe the arm fracture happens after she time travels back oh yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. But then, I, you know, that that would be an interesting... I, I don't know. I don't know if maybe that wouldn't work. But still, like, yeah, it would be... Like, it would be a fascinating, like, just, you know, you would have to... You would have to have the, the story arc and the plot of this nailed down before you started writing it. Because otherwise, yeah. there's so many inconsistencies and, and weirdness that you could just, you know, you could just miss... And your readers would pick up on it and be like, no, you're full of it. Yeah, that's. I think you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. Like if you're going to write a time travel or, <laughs> or anything with time paradox as part of the story or part right. of the plot that you have to nail it down in the very beginning or you're, you're right. Your readers will completely well, – they have to have suspension of disbelief, right? And if you ruin that, if like you even smudge or fudge on suspension right. of disbelief at all – then uh, you give them a reason to believe that you're full of crap, then they're right. just going to, from the rest of the story, it's ruined. Right. They'll put down the book. They won't read it. Yeah. No, um, I like that idea because it really does, like, and and who knows? Maybe they find a group of skeletons that's, uh, it turns out to be the team that's digging it. And they the whole team becomes under duress and time travels back. Oh, wow. Yeah. What if that's And so the they're case? like, yeah. then they're seeing it for real. And then, then like the, their questions get answered because they're archaeologists. They're like, what yeah. was this like? And they're living it. And then they're like, now we're stuck in the past and we have almost no way of getting information back into the future because, you know, like stone only lasts so long. Books mm-hmm. only last so long. You know, like how do you, how do you tell your future self yeah. something from the past? You you put it in a box and wait for an archaeologist to dig it up, I guess. You, you put it in a, <laughs> in a jar in a, in a copper scroll in a cave yeah. and hope some goat herder finds it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's one other aspect that would be interesting about this, and that is if they showed her the body, the dug-up skeleton, 
And she's going through this mental process of trying to figure out, is that me that I'm looking at or is it somebody else? Right. Am I looking at my own dead body? And especially with uh, facial reconstruction techniques with the skull, they could, you know, reconstruct the face and then there's a big reveal of like, boom, it's like, it's her Mm -hmm. and it's just a dead match. There there's, that's something (laughs) that I think that isn't like, it's, it's a unique experience that a unique human experience that cannot actually exist in the real world. You're never going to see your own dead body, you know? Uh, it is unlikely. And so, (laughs) (laughs) right. So you could do a lot with that. You could take that kind of situation and, and, and give her all kinds of emotions on how to deal with it as a writer. You know, that would be, that's true. And I mean, you would probably most certainly have to either have a voice in her head as a narration tool Mm. Um, just because you would need, like, as a reader, you would need that direction from the character because uh, writing that complexity of thought into just action is very difficult. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. So, yeah, it's an interesting, it's a, it's an interesting thought exercise, anyway. So maybe maybe somebody can take this, not write the exact thing, but use it to inspire right. themselves to write something that they uh, that they could do. I know that this sounds, the more we talked about it, the more we kind of drifted into a book by uh, Michael Crichton called Timeline. Um, I like that book. Yeah, I did too, actually. I enjoyed it a lot. And and to be honest, the movie was unpopular. I enjoyed the movie as well. I never saw the movie. It's actually pretty good. I think so. I liked the idea that uh, the time travel piece of that was a function of place, not Mm -hmm. what we understand as time. Yeah. And then they had to use the, the quantum realm as their source of magic to get you back there. <laughs> That's right. Cause you couldn't actually, couldn't actually go through the science of time travel because there's no science of time travel. Right. So what I, what I find the most fascinating is a while back, um, specifically with time travel, a while back I heard something about the, the grand unified field theory or something. Um, and that every attempt to like reduce it down, cause it's this huge equation. Mm-hmm. In every attempt to reduce it down, at some point, the variable for time will cancel itself out and stop existing within that within that equation. Is that right? And so <laughs> it, it makes me wonder, like, if time... Th- there is no such thing. Time is like a ruler. It's the... It, we use it to measure cycles in our world and, and attempt to uh, correlate those with, with places. Mm-hmm. But... If there is no such thing as time, well, then obviously time travel can't happen. Mm-hmm. So that that's an interesting point. I mean, and I have I've heard that you know it's it's possible that in other dimensions that there's you know like time will run backwards compared right. to ours. And like I'm wondering like how would that actually work? You know, right. like like mathematically they can prove it, but how like from a real world perspective, how does that actually function? You know, like it's 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 interesting. You know, yeah. like. Well, maybe time is running backwards and we just don't know it. Maybe that's how time travel works is you drop into another dimension that runs time runs backwards for a while. Then you drop back into <laughs> well, our that, dimension. But that also brings up the, the, the point of fate too. Because if you dropped back mm. into – and you know ran backwards until you were a teenager again, are you just going to do teenager again and have no memory of being an adult? Oh, you're absolutely – yeah. You know like what? will you just loop back and, and – there will, from the individual perspective, there will have, seem to have been no change. Mm-hmm. It will be like I'm just in high school. This and is, you won't even realize that you're doing it again. This reminds me of the classic philosophical problem on whether or not 
free will exists, and that is if <laughs> right. you accept that there is a uh, a God that knows everything that will ever happen, right. then that means that you don't really have choices right. in what will happen. Like free if, will can't exist. Exactly. If God knows that I'm going to go out tomorrow and get into a car accident and die, I don't have any choice because God can't be wrong, right? right? So if, if there's no – if he can't be wrong, he's always right and he knows everything that will happen, then I'm going to go out tomorrow and get in a car accident and die. Uh, so this is would be an interesting exploration of that too. Like right. is there – is there fate? Is there fate? Does fate exist? You know? Yeah. I, um, so I start, started reading the the poetic Eddas and all that that was translated by, um, what's his name? Jackson Crawford. And he brought he brought up a good, a good point that um, in those Eddas and sagas, the, the majority of the time, the heroes or the mythical characters are trying to defy fate. Mm. And I think... For the most part, they never are able to. Like, they're always trying to say, like, I'm fated to die at this moment. Mm-hmm. But they're trying to get around that. But they never do. But I, I don't know. It's it's a fascinating concept to me, too, because it exists in a lot of mythology. Like, the concept of fate exists in so much mythology. And then it, it always comes up in, a, in any sort of philosophical discussion, eventually, anyway. You know, that's something else too. We should, we should probably touch on it at some point. Like we're, we're supposed to be talking about writing and, and stuff. <laughs> and I think that I personally think that it's, it's, it's good for all writers to also read, not just other fiction. I mean, they have to right. read fiction to be able to understand how to write fiction or, right. or if you're not a fiction writer. you're trying to write for. Right. But you should also have like a firm grasp of mythology in, in, in whatever mythology exists around the world. I, I mean, you know, we say mythology, everybody goes and instantly to Greek mythology is what they think of. But, <laughs> but Norse mythology is, is popular now, mostly because I think Thor's around. So people are like, Vikings were real and they right, had religion. Right. But, you know, there are all different kinds of mythology that exists all, from all over the world. And I think that there, those stories are a wealth of, of human stories that right. can be retold. In, in historical dramas, in comedy, in science fiction, in all kinds of things, you know, mystery. Like you can you can reset those stories and retell them right. in ways to give them like a, a modern reader a new take on it. Where it, but you leave the the message of the mythology in place. I think that's excellent. I think it's a great thing Absolutely. to do. Absolutely, it, so it reminds me of this thought I had, like as as a writer, um, the reason that you so you write from a. a your own experience and cultural standpoint. And so you're basically writing in a bubble and the more you experience and the more culture and human understanding you have, the more foundational material you have to draw from. So you, you expand the size of your bubble or you have access to a different sphere, you know, like I have the cultural bubble of white male. And Mm -hmm. so I access that, but I've also studied you know, not extensively, but I've looked into a lot of other um, uh, schools of thought and, and other philosophies and other, you know, other cultural waypoints. And, and that helps me understand them as human beings, um, like the way they the way that other people live. And I think that gives me uh, greater versatility and, and more veracity as a writer. Like and so I think, you know, you always have to be pushing your boundaries and, and obtaining more information from every source, even if it's an uncomfortable source. Yeah. And you know what? 
it also occurs to me that you and I are probably we're we're both white males in America, about approximately the same age or around the same decade, anyway. Um, so we do come from a very you know similar like, background, exactly. But we do both study and are interested in other cultures and uh, learning more about you know the past and what we think the future is going to look like and and all kinds of uh, uh, different aspects of of humanity. And the way, the way that we do that, the only way that we do that is to read it, which means somebody else had to write it. Right. So it is important, I think, to say, to just tell people, like, if you are a prospective writer, go ahead and write stuff down. Just write, you know, like, like we read it, like other people read it, you know? Well, and even if and, you're not writing it for other people's edification, write it for your own retention. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you hear an interesting fact that, you know, you know, you're going to forget, write it down. And then maybe research it too, because then you'll get an understanding because I don't know, as a culture, we have a a tendency to accept materials that are written down as truth more easily than we do as spoken word. That's absolutely true. Um, But you have to understand that every person is fallible and every account that's written down is fallible. So you, you basically have to approach everything that's written down with the same mindset, like this might be wrong, but you can also retain some level of interest in it regardless. Yeah. And actually those, those ideas that are wrong can spawn some interesting ideas too. Oh, that's absolutely true. Like you could be very wrong about stuff, but come up with, Oh yeah. (laughs) Come up with an awesome story that is timeless, you know? So you never know. Like, like I think the point is, is that everybody can write and everybody should write stuff. And everybody should keep expanding what they know. I tell you what's interesting too is uh, uh, General George Patton, you know, World War II General George Patton. Everybody thinks of him as this awesome general and stuff, and, and he truly was. But he was also a writer. And he, uh, he wrote some fantastic articles. He wrote white papers. He wrote a lot. He wrote stacks and stacks and stacks of information. Most of that went into, you know, like trying to talk about, because he started off in the cavalry. And that, and it was, and he was coming up in, in, as an officer right when tanks were becoming a thing, and uh-huh. so he wrote a lot about what he thought tanks should do and strategy and that kind of stuff. Um, and he wasn't anybody at the time; he was a random, nameless lieutenant in the army with among hundreds of thousands or thousands anyway of other lieutenants. No reason anyone should ever take him seriously, but he wrote stuff down, and all of that writing survives to this day. And yeah. so. You never know if like what your occupation is or or if you're a leader or not a leader or, you know, if you're in management or whatever, it doesn't matter. Like you don't have to be somebody that is considered important to write stuff down and affect the lives of other people around the world simply by by writing, you know? Well, writing, you know, helps like your own musings, you know, if you use it kind of as a conversation with yourself. And personally, I find like writing with a pen and paper is like far more productive um, just because it forces you to slow down and think while you're writing, um, you know, cause you can, you can type at a much greater rate than you can write with pen and paper. And so, you know, I, I always have notebooks on hand that that's where pretty much all of my stories start is in a notebook. And then once it's reached kind of a critical mass in the notebook, it'll, uh, it'll just naturally translate. I, like I'll have the idea and I can just be like, Ooh, and here's the rest of it. And like, and go, you know, go into the digital medium. Cause it would take way too long to write it all by hand. 
Oh, you know what? What's terrible for me is that I my handwriting skills suck. Like, <laughs> like I have I, I used to have pretty decent handwriting, but then once I started typing, <laughs> it went away. Like I my I like literally when I write things now, it could be an I, it could be an E. We'll call it. <laughs> we'll just we'll just put that in for the same thing, you know. And I can decipher it. Nobody else can. I am worse than like a doctor with, with, with writing, but uh, with handwriting. But the truth is, is I hand I, I write stuff by hand every day, and I need to get better at it. And I think the only way to do that is probably through practice and continuing. Oh, absolutely. To write I, stuff. I practice my penmanship when I'm while I'm writing because again, it forces me to slow down and just focus on what I'm doing. Um, Mine, mine's pretty bad still, but you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> at least I can read it. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's probably pretty good for today. Uh, so any last words or comments? No, I, I really like the idea of, you know, finding a hundred percent DNA match of some ancient skeleton in the modern day. Like that's, yeah, it opens the way for a lot of things. It, it really does. I mean, again, is it that same person or has DNA just made a circle and well, come back? <laughs> and aside from the historical implications, what if uh, what if it was a skeleton that was found on Mars? Oh, and we threw it into the science fiction realm instead of just the kind of philosophical fiction. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what? Oh man, a time travel adventure, off world. Set through millennia and yes, many worlds. That is an interesting story, and especially because, like, what if it does? Because if it's a hundred percent DNA match, that woman has to ask herself, "Am I going to die on Mars?" Right in the like in the past, in the future. How did that happen (laughs) in my future? But everyone else's past is yeah. It's very strange. (laughs) Very strange. Strange story. That's a Twilight Zone episode. Absolutely. All right. Well, this has been Fair the Inkwell, and we have an email address now at fairtheinkwell at outlook dot com. So send us an email, and uh, and if you do, we'll we'll talk about it on the air. Whatever you send us. So, all right. Thanks a lot.